Good morning, church. Let's stand and sing. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. And shake an elbow at each other and say good morning and welcome each other. Or do the chicken. <laughs> Let's keep worshiping. I've searched the world. Put me back together 
Everybody turn to your neighbor and says, he turns bones into armies. Yeah, he does. He turns seas into highways. That includes the pass. He could turn the pass, well, not into the highway, I guess, but into seas, maybe. Never mind, that didn't go. But you know what I mean. He's so big. This morning I was studying um, Abraham and Isaac and thinking about when he had to put him up on that altar and how much faith that took for him to go up there and know that he was going to have to take a dagger to his son. I cannot imagine what he was thinking. Cannot imagine. And why he would step into that faith to do it. And why he would put him up there and walk up. And God had to scream and say, stop. No, you don't have to do it. And then I read in Hebrews 11:17 that the reason he had that faith is because he believed that God, after his son was dead, could raise him back from the dead. That was before Jesus. That was Old Testament. But he knew that God could bring him back. And he loved God that much and trusted him and had the faith in him that much to obey him and do what he said anyway, even though it would cause him pain. And he believed that he could do that with his beloved son. And he did do it with God's own beloved son. Amen? It's pretty, uh, pretty amazing when you think of how he does that and how in the midst of all of our all of our tragedies and, and the things that are so stressful in our lives. And this week's been stressful for a lot of people. It's been a hard week. And uh, our hope is not in a person. Our hope is in Jesus. And he can do anything, and he's got control of it all. And I'm so thankful for that. So we can continue to praise him. And he comes, and he is in the middle of his people when they're praising him. Scripture tells us that, that when we're singing and when we're praising Him and focusing on Him, that's when He settles in. So let's pray and ask Him to come in. Jesus, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for being here with us. Lord, we invite You into this place now. We know that You've already been here, but Lord, we want You to stay here and we want You to walk among us and we want You to come and just sit with us and move in us and just... Fill us up with your spirit, Lord, and we want this offering of praise to come back to you. We want to raise a hallelujah to you this morning, Jesus, and we want you to be pleased by that. But we trust you with everything, with COVID, with our country, with everything, because you created it, you made it, you know it's coming, and you love your people, and you've never let us down. You have never failed. So we trust you with all of that. And now we just want to pour ourselves out for you. And we want you to know how much we love you, Jesus. And that we're here to praise you and to worship you this morning. Because you are good. And we love you, Father. So let's sing to him. Hallelujah. 
good. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. There it is. <laughs> I had to take my ear out so I could hear you. He is good. Thank you. 
good, Father. We love you so much. Thank you for being here, Lord. Fill this place. Lord, as we continue to worship you, just pray, Father, that we will just let go of things, let go of our hearts, let go of our fears, let go of the, the thoughts that run through our mind. Clear that out, Jesus. Fill it up with you. Fill it up with your word. Lord, anoint Pastor Matt this morning. Bring a special word through him, Jesus, that only you can bring. It's personal to each person here. Lord, we love you. We are your people. So you take us and you use us the way you need us to be used for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you will make each person here courageous, brave. And I pray, Jesus, that they will submit to you because you are so good and you'll take good care of them. Lord, we love you. You are welcome here and we're thankful for you. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, you may be seated. Good morning, WLC Church family. We are trying a new announcement format, so welcome to our weekly video. We wanted to remind you, first of all, that the WLC kids are meeting with Miss McKenzie right now down the hall to the chapel, and she's there waiting for you. So you can start at 10 a.m. every Sunday. WLC kids is getting ready for Christmas. The next thing we have on our list this week is to remind you today the Samaritan's Purse and Christmas Child boxes are due today. We need to make sure that you turn them in today, and then also you can turn in the shipping label that goes with them and you can just leave it inside the box or put it in the basket outside another reminder that we have for you is our wlc mugs these are wonderful to have your morning coffee with and to remind you to pray for the people in our church they're 12 dollars in the cafe and you can also purchase one to put in a newcomer's bag the last thing that we have is our youth power surge it is happening november 13th through the 15th if you haven't signed up please see scott he would love to have you come and for those of you that are not able to go, there is no youth group on the 15th because they will be coming home. Other than that, you guys have a great week. We're glad to see you here this morning. The only other thing we need to remind you of this morning is offering. You will see the plates in the back, and there's also the offering box that's in the entry as you come in. Please remember to um, put your offering there. And then I think Pastor Matt's coming up. Good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see everybody here today. What a good-looking group you are. And uh, I noticed that this Sunday morning, um, from last Sunday when we spoke about the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy, I'm good to see a good group of you have chose the mountain of joy. And uh, we're here today together to celebrate Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I, I tell you, in the midst of a crazy week, and I know that some of you even have spoke with me about uh, your concerns and the, and the thoughts that you may have, in the midst of it all, I'm here for the same reason that I was here last Sunday, to celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Savior that is the Savior yesterday, today, and forever. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the rock of ages. He will never fail us. He will never give up 
on us. He is the God who gives us salvation every day, every hour, every moment. Our God reigns. Amen. Amen. We stand on that rock, and so our mountain will not be shaken when all others are. Amen? Amen. Well, I tell you, today, uh, in the midst of all of that, it's good to know that we are a part of a church that continues to move forward. I mean, there's churches all over the world, uh, even right now, that are going through their services as well, celebrating our Lord and Savior. We're in this together and one of the beautiful things that I have seen uh, and had been able to experience since I've been here is uh, the fact that you know, God, he kind of interweaves our lives in ways that I just never, you just never imagined. And uh, it's been my pleasure uh, to, to know Pastor Greg and Nancy. They have been such a blessing to our church, um, and, and, and I've just gotten to know him for a short time in some ways it seems like a long time he'll probably say for me it just seems like a really long time but but anyway I and and they're going to be moving uh, actually a week from the day they're going to be heading out and I I am going to miss them and uh, like you I believe we are all going to miss them Pastor Greg has served us as our leadership pastor uh, a voice of experience uh, a lover of God's church, a unique laugh that we will never forget, and a true friend. Nancy has shown us grace and strength, the power of possibility. After all, she had to see some possibility in Greg before she married him. And, uh, amen. <laughs> and a reflection of Jesus Christ. We are thankful for her. We thank God for Pastor Greg and Nancy, and I want to ask them to come forward now, if they would, just come on up. Um, we just want to honor them, and it's a small thing um, uh, for all that they have done and for the great encouragement that they've been to us here at Woodland Life Center, but we want to give you a gift, and... Uh, <laughs> and let's give them a warm hand of applause for all that they've done. All right, well, take time to uh, spend with them you know, during the day, today after the service, and share your thanks, and um, you're going to be missed, Greg and Nancy. Well, today, uh, also, I want to just remind you and just point your uh, little bit of uh, focus to a table that you'll find out in our foyer for the Voice of the Martyrs. Um, it, it is just a great publication to just remind us of all those around the world who are serving Jesus Christ, even in places where it could cost them their lives. And it's a great way for us to uh, partner with them in prayer and, uh, and to help in any way that uh, you feel God moving you in, but please see that table out there for that as well. Today, uh, <clears throat> I, I, some of you may feel like, well, this is just not a good, uh, a good sermon title after, after a week where some, maybe, maybe all here have been disappointed, I don't know, but, but, uh, but we are still blessed, church. I mean, whether you believe it or not, we are a blessed people. The fact that we can come here and we can worship 
And yes, even with the masks and, and with the craziness that's going on, we are still a blessed people. As a matter of fact, even if we had to worship in an underground place where no one could see us and, and no one was supposed to know, we would still be a blessed people because we serve the God Almighty. And so I, I want you to know, and even though I was tempted to just, I was like, Lord, can we just push this forward to James 5, 7, where it talks about patience and suffering? <laughs> nope, we stay here, keep the, keep, the, keep the faith, Matt, and keep moving forward where we're at. So, we are blessed, but we're not just blessed to be blessed, we're blessed to be a blessing, church. Freedom, equality, liberty, order, justice, tranquility, a common creator, brotherly love, one nation under God, the ability to even determine our own destiny. These are principles that have been handed down to us by our founders, the founders of our nation, to help us establish what they called a more perfect union. And what has made America exceptional <clears throat> is that we sought to build a society and a government on biblical principles. In fact, even the wording of the Constitution that prohibits us from having a state-mandated, a state-ordered religion, that single system, so to speak, that they were running from in Europe, even that is based on Scripture. It's based on the God who loves us so much that He's given us free will, and He won't force us to serve or worship Him but he gives everything that he has in hopes that we will. These biblical principles that our country have been found, has been founded on make us exceptional. Yes, we have gotten it wrong sometimes. Some of you are going to say, well, you know, what about and what about this? And I hear that, you know, that's a bad thing to say about our country, that we're exceptional. No, our biblical principles have made us exceptional. Yeah, we get it wrong sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes in my own personal life. So do you. Ask our Native American brothers and sisters or our African American or Jewish brothers and sisters, and they will tell you we haven't always gotten it right. There are many things we could have done better. But here's the thing. Our biblical principles remind us that with God's help, tomorrow can be better. Amen? And yet, the privilege to do better, the privilege to fight for what is right, and is in itself a benefit of being a country founded on basic Christian principles. When evil raised up its head in the form of slavery and then in equality for our African American brothers and sisters, it was the leaders within the church that rose up and said, you know what, there is a better way and a way for a better tomorrow. When women were relegated to second class and not afforded the right to vote, it was the church that spearheaded a movement to do the right thing. And when evil raised its head in the killing of the Jews across the nations of Europe, our country faced a decision. And yes, it was easy for us to just kind of put our head in the sand and pretend maybe this will just go away. But in the end, we made the right call and we stood up against evil. Today... 
However, when we ask many what American exceptionalism is, they will say, well, it has to do with some type of patriotic yeah, arrogance or or that maybe it has to do with the fact that we're the largest economy or the global superpower, militarily speaking. And it's true that we do have the largest economy and we are a superpower. But here's the thing. Those things are not what makes us exceptional. Listen, church, our Christian heritage has made America exceptional. Let me say it again. Our Christian heritage has made America exceptional. Understanding that God blesses us to be a blessing to the world has made us exceptional. The principles of Scripture, honor, integrity, honesty, truth, freedom, sacrifice, hard work, brotherly love, equality, each finding its definition in Scripture has been what has made America exceptional. But in a post-Christian America, <clears throat> we find a large portion, anyway, of our population defining exceptionalism as a, simply a byproduct of money or greed or power. Forgotten are the principles by which that we have found success. It's been forgotten that God has blessed America, and we are blessed by God, amen, even today. But we have been blessed by God as this country, so that we can be a blessing. It is God who gave us the truth in Scripture that all those principles of honesty and, and hard work and care and giving and sacrifice, that all of those things, that they come from the Word of God and they come straight to you and me, that even if we just follow those rules, those there's guidelines, there's understandings that God has given us, you know, of, of what it means to be Christian and to be Christ-like. I mean, we can't help but be a blessing if we follow those things. If you're like Jesus, if you're following Jesus in your life, if you're walking side by side with him, if you daily surrender to him, if you daily say, your will, not mine, be done, you can't help but be a blessing you say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm telling you, I don't care who you are, if you're a Christian or if you're an atheist or if you're a Buddhist or whatever you may be, everybody wants to be treated with respect and with love and with care. Everyone wants to be treated with integrity. If you buy a car, you want to know that that person is being honest with you. And if it breaks down two months later, you want to know that they're going to have the integrity to back their product up. Guess what? Those things didn't come from our minds. It came from God. Those principles are called Christian principles for a reason. They come from the Lord. I think of Chick-fil-A. I know, I'm making you hungry. I'll try to be quick. <laughs> Here's a company that's just based itself on these Christian principles of loving, putting God first. Yeah, they're serving food to people, and they're, but they're doing it with honesty and integrity. And, with, and guess what? They're still closed on Sunday, and they're still one of the number one, considered by many to be the number one fast food chain in the world. But they continue to honor the Lord. Not only that, but they continue to honor the Lord with their giving. If you look at where they give their monies, of their profits. They tithe to so many good organizations. And, 
And we thank God for people like that. But it's all based on Christian principles. But in the world of which we read the book of James, in that world where James was written into, they found themselves in a world where Rome was the reigning global superpower. And man, I don't know about you, but this, this book has been, of James has been challenging, but just hold on to your feet because it's about to get even more challenging today in chapter five. But, but in the midst of this backdrop of Rome, where there were extremely wealthy and arrogant and free-willing, sexually unrestrained, slave-owning, sex-trafficking, hoarding, and self-indulgent people, this book was written. And it gives you a little better understanding of, of kind of why James at times see, may seem so upfront and so ready to challenge the issues of the day. It's because James knew his back was up against the wall. some ways we may feel the same like our back is up against the wall in some ways even america today reflects the roman empire of james's day and so into these into that world these words come and i'm going to have you move me through these uh these this scripture if you would back there in the back i don't have my remote with me but i um we read these words from James chapter 5, and it begins with this. It says, now listen, you rich people. I mean, it, it almost takes on this ominous tone. Now listen, you rich people. <laughs> Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. And in <laughs> and eat your flesh, it says, like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. These are tough and strong words that we read from James today. This is probably actually the strongest language that he's used so far in this book. And it would be easy for us to read this Maybe not for you, but at least for me, but I think probably for all of us to read this and think, well, you know what, this is not about me. But don't assume so quickly that this doesn't apply to you. Some of you would be quick to say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not rich. But, but listen, you may be better off than you might even know. It might be possible that you might be one of the wealthiest people to have ever walked the earth even. Right now there are people watching our sermon online and we welcome them and we're glad that you can be with us online. Those of you who are out there watching us. But if you are watching us online, that means that you have an access to a computer or a smartphone or, or a tablet or something like that. That means that they have electricity, that they have a connection to the internet. And if you know where your next meal is going to be coming from, 
and you don't have to worry about getting clean water, if you don't have to worry about having a shelter over your head and maybe even getting medical care, you benefit from one of the most lucrative economies that has ever happened in human history. Listen to this. If you make more than $50,000 a year, you are among the top 1% of earners on our planet today. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But if you make more than 50000 you are among one of the top 1% of earners. The medium household, for, for the medium household income for the global population is less than $10,000 a year. Most of the population of our entire world, 80% to be exact, lives on less than $10 a day. And so when I go to Starbucks or a human being or wherever else and, and I get that coffee, my coffee costs as much as many people spend in a whole day around the world. More than a third of the people on earth actually live on less than $2 a day. We, we have been blessed. God has blessed us. I'm not saying this to you to like make you feel like, you know, I I have something or you have something to be ashamed of. I'm reminding you, we are blessed here in America. And it's also a reminder that James is giving us that we are blessed to be a blessing. Not to be corrupt or self-indulgent with what God has given us. We are blessed to be a blessing. So don't just assume, I can't just assume that this isn't for me. You and I may be some of the richest people maybe in the world today. But often the things and the stuff that we have and the things that we, we accrue throughout our life, those things come, uh, that come with being pretty well off. Sometimes they can be a distraction to us, to what God really wants in our life. Sometimes, and I've had to remind myself often, that don't let good things, Matt, don't let good things in your life steal you and rob you of the greatest things in life. Don't let good things rob you of the greatest things. And the greatest things, of course, are those things of God. God gives to us so that we can be a blessing. And we are blessed so that we can, we can be a blessing to others. But this group that James if he finds himself talking to, uh, they have done everything but. I mean, as a matter of fact, they have found themselves in a place in their, in their walk and in their life where, you know what, they've, they've, they would probably even say to you, um, although they wouldn't maybe have accredited to God, that they've been blessed. And so when they got blessed, they would just hoard it. And James is revealing this in chapter 5. They've been given so much, and yet he says they're cheating their employees. The the cries of the ones who were mowing their fields, it had reached the ears of the Lord. Judgment is coming. And for each one of us, we need to be reminded that there is a day of reckoning for everyone who walks this earth. But in this book, and in James's time where he was writing these words, many were struggling just to eat, and yet others were living in luxury. And James says, you know what? You're just fattening yourself up for slaughter. And here, in this portion of Scripture, slaughter is referring to God's reckoning, His judgment that is coming. When I pastored in Nebraska, I 
often spent some time with people within our church, and most many of them were, were ranchers. And sometimes the best way for me to have some time to spend with them is just to go help them do their chores or just be out there with them. And I'll never forget a friend of mine, he was, they just had, they had a small, you know, penned-in area where they would take their cattle, and they had their, they would take some to the feedlot, but they had some there for kind of their personal use. And and so they would bring them into this small pen, and in the middle of this pen, it almost looked kind of like a, 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 a really rough smorgasbord. It had a big, you know, topping in, in, in the, you know, that, you, that you put the grain in on the top, and it would fall out into the bottom, and, and the cattle would come, and they would eat. And as soon as we, my job with them was just to put these, these new cattle that were, they were getting ready to fatten up into this pen. And right after we did that, we went around with the feed truck, and we poured the grain in there with the troughs for them. And I mean, they were just so excited. They were kicking their heels and running around and eating, and it was just the best kind of day ever if you were a cow. But I noticed when I went back later that it's the same group of cattle in there. They'd gotten a lot bigger. But no longer were they kicking up their heels. No longer when we drove in with the feed truck were they just so anxious and so excited. They, no, they, were, just, they were just looking at us like, what took you so long? Yeah. And they'd eat and they'd sleep and they'd got fat and they kind of walked around and kind of like the stupor you know as they were finishing up their food and and soon the grain was no longer that great exciting delicacy it was expected and 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 as they were looking at us like bring us our food hurry it up all the while they didn't know that they were just days away from slaughter and this is the picture that james is painting like a cow that's consuming all this food, not realizing that it is to his detriment. He is saying that all this stuff that sometimes that we may have stored up for ourselves, sometimes it's, it can be evidence if we're not careful. It could be evidence on our day of reckoning. It could be evidence on that last day of judgment that, you know what, that maybe I cared more about myself than I cared about others. So when you and I die and my barns or your barns are full of stuff or your, my rented storage unit is full of things filled to capacity with things that I didn't really need. It may not be evidence of just a blessed life. It may be evidence of a life that hoarded and wouldn't give the blessings away. You see, church, we are blessed to be a blessing. What James is describing is in contrast to what Jesus says to us when he says in Matthew 25, 34, you can read it up on the screen. It says, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When, when did we feed you? When did we see you thirsty? When, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? And our king will reply. 
Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. I look at this portion of Scripture, and I'm reminded, church, of why we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus basically was saying that you are blessed to be a blessing, and it's so personal to Jesus. This means so much to him that he actually says, you know what, when you give away the blessing that you have, when you understand that you are blessed to be a blessing, you're not just blessing them, you're actually literally blessing me. This is serious for Jesus. If we're, we're believers, we know that being on earth, though, is, is not. I mean, we know this here. It's not about setting up kingdoms for ourselves. In fact, Jesus explains that kingdom-minded means investing in a kingdom that is beyond ourselves, which means investing in others. Because the only thing that we can take to heaven with us is another soul. If we say that all that matters is loving God, loving others, and making disciples, then this kingdom talk, it's, it's beautiful and it's true, but... But then if it is truly true, then our personal goals should not be about building personal kingdoms on earth. It should be about building the kingdom one soul at a time here. Because, again, the only thing we can take to heaven with us is another soul. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy things, we can't do things and have fun together. It means we've got to keep things in proper perspective. It means that if Jesus were to talk to your heart today and he was, he was to say to you, would you give it all up for me? That we would unequivocally say yes. It's good and it's right and it's biblical for you to provide and to take care of your family. What is being spoken of here is not about seeking to provide for yourself. It is about setting yourself up as king. That's what James is speaking of here. And you might say, well, how can I tell the difference? Well, when you start to find your identity in what you have and your stuff and how much you have accrued, then that's probably a major red flag. It's a red flag that your affections are in the wrong thing. When Jackie and I were asked by God to sell our home and to sell our contents that we had and move into a camper, and we knew God was calling this to us, we, we, we struggled. I mean, there were things that I was just like, I don't really want to let that go. And we're going through everything and selling it all. We didn't hardly have, we, we, didn't, we didn't leave anything left. And, and, and there was a point where we got to, and, and I could tell, you know, the tension was growing because some things we just didn't want to let go of. You know, Jackie was letting go of things that her mom had passed down to her. And I was letting things go, get, my dad had given me. And and, and it just kind of built, and it kind of built, and it kind of built until, until one day we're in our living room, and there's not much left because we had been selling and selling, and, and Kennedy, we asked to come in with us, and we called the girls on the phone. I think they might have been on speakerphone. I'm not sure if I remember that correctly. But we told them as we went through this chest that we had of CDs, um, for, you, you know, for some of you, that stuff we used to listen to music on. Um, it, it's, it's CDs, and then we, we had all these DVDs, and... We told our girls, you can keep five. We'll hold it you know, to our girls that were in college. We'll hold back five for you. That's all the room we have just for five. We'll keep five. And Kennedy was there. And, I, and, and here's the craziest thing is we had a meltdown over DVDs. 
I'm like, what? what in the, I'm sitting there thinking, what, what in the world? I mean, we're in, you know, there's tears that are flowing and, and, and there's, there's, you know, we're just, uh, and what I had come to understand in the midst of giving it away or selling it, that it wasn't about these DVDs. It was about letting go. It's not easy to let go. And I'm going to have to confess to you that there have been times in my life where I found my identity in my stuff. If, if, I, you know, if I found what defines me, I mean, I'll go even as far as to say this. If being a pastor is what defines me, then woe to me. Because if that is divorced from the understanding, being a pastor, if that is divorced from the understanding that I am a child of the living Savior, then guess what? I'm doomed as a pastor. My identity is not in being a pastor. My identity is being a child of the King. And I'm so thankful for that today. But here we were having this minor identity crisis. I've been so blessed. I have clean water. I have a calling that the king gave me on my life. I have a beautiful family. I have a roof over my head. I mean, why do I yearn for more when I've already been given so much? Why would we be concerned about getting what some people in our world and even in our day might say, well, getting our fair share when we are not supposed to be attached to this world? Uh, don't get me wrong, I, I have a blast doing things. I love recreation, and I, I, those, are, those are good things. And as a matter of fact, I believe God is the creator of recreation. It's recreation. But he's the creator, right? He, I need recreation in me every once in a while. I, I enjoy you know, going out and having fun with you guys, riding ATVs. I had a blast with that. I mean, fishing, you know, all, those are good things. But when we detach them from the greatest thing, then they can become an idol. And James is saying, don't let that happen. If you want to do it, do it for the love of God and do it for the love of each other. 1 Corinthians 7.31, it puts it very well for us. It says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Did you hear that? I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Why? Because Jesus deserves our full attention. Paul was saying in this chapter, you know what, if you can't control, and he said it earlier in the chapter, just to kind of give you an idea of the background with this, he says, you know what, if you can't control yourself, you know, sexually, uh, and, and he was talking about sex outside of marriage, and he said, if you can't control yourself and, and not have sex outside of marriage, then you need to get married. There's a lot of us that are struggling with control, because there's a lot of married people here, right? Amen. Oh, nobody likes that. <laughs> he says, if you could, if you could, if, if you could, you know, if you could go without, if you can control yourself in this way, then it's best if you're not married. Uh, because all of your attention needs to belong to the Lord. But he's saying, you know what, here's the thing, is that 
even marriage, and it is an idea instituted by God and by God alone, is a blessing. And it can be a blessing too, as long as you keep within the marriage, God as central. Oftentimes when I counsel people in a marital situation, I remind them of a triangle where God is at the top and the man and the woman are here at the bottom. And here's the deal. If the husband and the wife are growing closer to God, they can't help but grow closer together. Amen? Uh, Here's the thing is, yeah, marriage is blessed, and it's an idea instituted by God, but Paul is saying, you know what? Still, even within marriage, God must be most important. He should be the center of everything. Don't let anything, don't even let your spouse edge out Jesus. And in verse 1, James says to the corrupt rich, the corrupt rich, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. This is pointing to a judgment day. And he's hitting them right where they are. And he's saying, look, take a strong look at your life and just you answer honestly before God because you aren't, whole, you aren't keeping anything from God. He already knows what's most important to you. Just come to terms with God. What's most important for you? I heard about this kindergarten teacher. and She was walking around her classroom and she asked her students, just will you draw some pictures? Just draw a picture of anything you would like, but your favorite thing, kind of something that means something to you. And she noticed that this one little girl was drawing really intently. I mean, she was just really at it, you know, had just pushed out all the distractions and the kids around her. And she said to the little girl, she said, what, what are you drawing, honey? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher just laughed. And she said, oh, honey, Nobody really knows what God looks like. And the little girl, without missing a beat, said, they will in a minute. (laughs) You and I have been blessed to be a blessing. And here's the thing. When you are a blessing to others, people begin to see Jesus in you. The only way we can be truly be a blessing, the only way that our world actually, and if you look back in Hebrews chapter 12, you can see this again, but the only way that this world is going to see Jesus is if we are a holy people who have sold out to him and put him first in our life. I want to tell you, church, and maybe I don't tell you this often enough, but you're a good church. You've been so good to me and my family. We came here, and all, all we had basically was our camper, which had all of our furniture attached to it. So we came here with almost no furniture. I mean, we, we had our, our mattress in the floor, and we would eat with our backs up against the walls. And you guys came in and just lo- gave us a table and chairs and a, a sofa to s- sit on, and, and you've been such a blessing to us. And this past month, that was Pastor Appreciation Month, thank you for the gifts and the cards of encouragement. It means a lot to me as well as to our staff. You're a good church. I see good things. We're getting ready to do a Salvation Army dinner and, and kind of come alongside of the Salvation Army. You can find some stuff to sign up for that out in the foyer. But because we understand here that we are blessed to be a blessing. I mean, there's so many of you who give of your time and your energies and just 
because not only because you love the church, but most of all because you love Jesus. And so you give. And every dollar you give here to our church, I want you to know even as part of the Church of the Nazarene, our denomination, every dollar you give, 5% of that immediately goes to world missions. We're supporting hospitals, we're supporting universities, we're supporting clean water efforts, and we're supporting the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, Jesus film ministries all around the world with every dollar that you give. This church understands that we're blessed to be a blessing. But it's good for us to take a hard look at ourselves once in a while and just Maybe God even today is speaking to your heart and he's, he's looking into your life and your ambitions and he's saying, hey, um, I better watch this guardrail over here. You might want to kind of get over where you need to be. Do you hold on loosely to the things of this world? Do you treat others as eternal beings that you can influence for heaven or just temporal things? I just want to ask you this morning, as I'm going to do myself, to take a moment and just have a talk with God. Just take a moment. See, just like our cars need to go in for alignments, our hearts, we need to make sure before God, continually, daily, that they are in alignment with his will. And I think as I share this and as I look at this scripture from James 5, and I think to myself, I can't think of a much better human example of self-sacrifice of the opposite of self-indulgence of the opposite of just fattening ourselves up for doing what we want to do i can't think of a much better human example than the self-sacrificing love of those who have served or who are serving us today by placing their lives on the line for ours for our country and for justice in our world and so as we come up towards Veterans Day. It is important for us to be reminded and to remind those who are serving self-sacrificially, those who have said, you know what, when they signed the, you know, the letter just to enter in, when they, when they just made that an agreement, they just said right then and there, you know what, I'm putting some of my personal selfish ambitions aside because I want to serve, we hope, God first and country and our fellow man. And those, for them, who have served and who are serving, we need to say thank you to all of our veterans, past and present. We need to say thank you, God, for them. And we need to let them know we're thankful for them as well. Yes. I want to ask if you have served or in the past or are currently serving, if you are a veteran, if you would come forward right now. I just want to ask you to stand right up here in front of these altars. 
I know you, you didn't do it for yourself or for, the, you know, it's kind of a self-glorification or anything like that. But if you would just come up front, um, I know that there's at least one person here who served. Harry, you can, come on, we can get them, get them started. We need to, yes. I want you just to look out to the congregation. Yes. To our veterans this morning, we say thank you. Thank you for helping us understand what self-sacrificing love looks like. Love for God and love for country. And today, I would just want to ask you, congregation, as I do the same, if you would just take your hand and just kind of place it towards them, because I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon our veterans today here and around the world. Dear God, we thank you for our veterans. We thank you for each man and woman who has given of themselves sacrificially, saying, you know what, I'm willing to even lay down my life for my brother or my sister if need be. God, I pray that you will just come upon them right now strongly in the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that they will know, God, how blessed they are and how much of a blessing they have been to us as a country. I pray, God, that each one today will know how great they are loved and I pray God that they will know their true identity and it is, will be found in you Lord above all else and we pray these things and we pray your greatest blessings upon them and their family in Jesus name and together we say amen amen all right you may be seated and I don't know a much better way to, to close than just ask us to sing a song together and this song is one that I'm sure you have heard before it's called America the Beautiful and as we sing it together I want to ask that you would um, be singing a song of thanks not only to those who have served, but singing a song of thanks to the God who established this nation. So if you would stand together with me. Oh. 
Father, we thank you for this day to celebrate the good that you have given us, the blessings that you have given us. We thank you, God, for the blessing that we call America, our country. We thank you, God, for the blessing of our veterans, past and present and future. We thank you, God, for each person, Lord, who today says, above all, you reign. And that we are one nation, one family, one individual under you god we are a church under your direction god we ask that you will help truly uh, refine us take care of our every flaw and i pray god that as a church that you will help us to be a great beacon of light to the world around us in jesus name and together we pray amen amen God bless you. So glad you're here today. If you're new, I would love to meet you. I'll be standing over here to my left, your right. And otherwise, are you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. It's been great. And our God reigns today. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed in his love and grace. Love. 